This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming Tour events and listen to other episodes at RackandTourDenver.com. This Tour event took place at the Dive Inn on May 10th. The topic was First Adventure. Our Tour this episode is Annika Zapp. Annika started playing punk music in the 1980s, and while forming and playing in bands such as The Hectics, The Super Bees, and Hemikuda, Annika used bartending as her flexible but dependable enabler. Her years with the infamous band Hemikuda led to world tours, adventures, and opening for bands like The White Stripes and Guar. Let's hear Annika tell her tale. Um, I played in a punk rock band in Denver for 16 years called Hemikuda. And uh, we were fortunate enough in the summer of 2003 to uh, be able to tour in Europe to support our album, which was released on uh, Thunder Woman Records. And uh, that was exciting. So this is a story about my first European tour with my band Hemikuda. Uh, of course... I don't know, most of you I'm sure are not familiar with Hemikuda because we haven't been around for a few years, but it was power trio with two girls, my, myself and my bandmate Karen up front and a kind of a rotating cast of drummers. This tour happened to be with Devin Rogers, was our drummer at the time. And my future husband, who is still my husband today, Jake Bennett, uh, <laughs> came along with us. Uh, he, we met through rock and roll. He was a sound engineer. So he came to be our sound guy, merch guy, general helping guy, keeping me laid guy, that whole thing. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, before we got to Europe, we were going to start the tour. Um, we were flying in and out of Amsterdam. I wanted to have a few days to get acclimated, get over some jet lag. We were trying to find a place to stay, and I did some Google searching, and I realized that this woman, Xaviera Hollander, had a bed and breakfast in uh, Amsterdam. So I see some of you are familiar with the name. She is better known as the Happy Hooker, and she was the original Mayflower Madam. She wrote an article in Penthouse Magazine for many years called Call Me Madam, which was something I think I started reading when I was about eight years old, so <laughs> very familiar with her work, and I was so excited to meet her as a young porn aficionado that I was, and uh, <laughs> we, um, we got there, and my future husband, of course, knew how excited I was to meet this woman, so it was just joyful when I got there, and we spent the first day kind of... We didn't want to sleep. We wanted to walk around. She said, hey, if you're going to go to the coffee house, will you bring me back a gram of some of the nice uh, black Afghan hash? And well, uh, Yeah, whatever the, whatever the hell I can do for you. And I brought it back later, and um, she was 
so happy for the hash. She, my husband and I were standing there, and we told some stories, and she looked at my husband, and she goes, oh, she's so cute. She could be my daughter. And then I looked at him, and he could, like, I'm sure he could see my heart just, like, exploding inside my body, like, oh, my God. Yeah, she was amazing. And it was a great start to the tour, and I like to start the story with that a little bit because the story is kind of about how sometimes a bad person can ruin a good thing. And Karen and I were really strong women who, through rock and roll, had learned how to have to do everything ourselves. You just have to do everything yourself in rock. People think it's just playing rock and roll. Well, you're a promoter, you're, you know, you're a business person, you do everything. And like I said, we had rotating drummers, so Karen and I took care of the whole spiel. I had a lot of familiar feelings with this madam who was so business-minded yet so horny like myself. And um, so it was a beautiful beginning to the trip. We waited in Amsterdam for a few days for our tour manager for the trip to arrive. His name was Seats, and he was a Dutch guy. And he was arranged by um, Anushka, who is the woman who owns the record label. She lived in Köln, Germany. So Seats showed up, we're excited to meet him, we're gonna have a great time, we have a great time with everyone. And Seats comes, he's about six foot six, probably weighs about 125 pounds, soaking wet. Um, we throw all the stuff into the van after a couple days in Amsterdam and we hit the road. Um, everything starts off pretty good. We did some fun tours. We, we start, Our very first show was in the town of Marburg, which was in the eastern block of Germany still at the time. Um, I mean, it was, there was no east or west, really, but it was former eastern Germany, and, and these people had recently come out of communism. So it was really cool to see uh, that place, and we played at this little punk bar, and it was just crazy punk. And we, we went to stay at a place where they're putting us up for the night and it was just a squat which you know a lot of you I'm sure have been to Europe and squatters all over these big buildings ancient like 600 year old buildings filled with squatters so that was fun beer everywhere and then we get to this room they're like you know we're like great where we're we staying they're like here <laughs> you know there's like mattresses on the floor okay <clears throat> You know, a few days later, um, we made our way to Berlin, which is where our first real conflict with seats happened. Um, <clears throat> we played at a great club called Wild at Heart in Berlin. It still exists. It's a really great punk rock club out there. And um, we, we played our rock show. We had a great time. Seats was in charge of kind of hanging out by the merchandise and stuff while we were, <clears throat> excuse me, while we were playing. And... Uh, after the show, uh, Karen and I were, you know, wrapping up, oh, thank you. We're wrapping up our, uh, the regular post-show duties, you know, we do. We're sort of like, hey, uh, how did it go with merchandise? We had seen some people at the merch table buying some things, so we sort of wanted to know the numbers, and he wasn't telling us answers, and we kept like, hey, you know, how did the merch go? How much did you sell? And we're standing there in the room, just him, Karen, my bandmate, and I in the backstage area, and he looks at me, and he looks at my bandmate, and he says to her, oh, you are so cute, like a little girl. You just remind me of like a 14-year-old girl who's like, la, 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 la. And Karen and I look at each other in like horror, like, 
the fuck is going on with this guy? You know, is he insane? <laughs> We're like, answer the question. Like, how much money did... So, at that point, things really melted down quick. We... Um, spoke to my future husband, Jake, and Devin, uh, the drummer, the two danglers in, in the group, and said, you know, since you, got, since you got the pieces, why don't you talk to him? Because he's obviously not interested in, our, in us as women and, and dealing with us. So, you know, for, for a while then, the boys just, we made an agreement that nobody was going to leave us alone in the room with seats, that there was always going to be a guy in the room with us. Uh, but uh, he really did put a damper on that tour for, it was a three-week tour, and uh, we still had fun despite all of his best efforts. We, um, we, did, we did some more, we did a lot of driving, and it was a lot of uncomfortable driving because he would get very upset and, and very angry, and he would say things to really try and clam us up, and he was really trying to be controlling. So rather than really try and exacerbate the situation with him, we took up a hobby of um, writing haikus about seats in a notebook in the back of the van. For this storytelling purpose, I really wanted to find those haikus, but since I couldn't find the haikus, I wrote three new ones <laughs> in the spirit of seats. Angrily, he drives. Face like a bad vagina. I want to punch him. Uh, gangly, gross, tour jerk. How can he be a virgin? It's believable. His fingerless gloves. He thinks he's in the dwarves. They would destroy him. So this will come back a little bit later because the dwarves was Seat's favorite band. He was fanatic about the dwarves. He thought he was Black Dahlia. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but he wore his little fingerless gloves all the time. And I do this, I'm making this gesture with my hands because he, it's like he couldn't pull his fingers apart. It was the most annoying thing to see. Like, but yes, you must go to the van right away because it is nine o'clock and we must leave. You know, it's like, no, we're a rock band. We're going to party all night. And then you're the tour manager, so you drive us to the next place. <laughs> so this was kind of the theme of the tour. We, we had a lot of fun times. We played at a great club in Munich with a hilarious band. We had so much fun with. And at the end of the night, they wanted us to go out and party with them. And C says, no, we must go to the hotel straight away because we have to leave early for a long drive tomorrow. Like, Bitch, we are from America. You don't know anything about long drives, OK? <laughs> you know? And we're going to party. So you just be there at 6 AM or whenever the, the van leaves. And um, yeah, I remember my future husband, my bandmate, some dude, and I all sharing a twin bed that night, clothes. I, mean, I was like, we shared it for about 20 minutes before the band left, but that's rock and roll, right? This is what Seats didn't understand. He didn't understand rock and roll. I, mean, I think he thought he did, but uh, so probably, and uh, probably one of the funnest stories, I use this as a tagline a lot. Um, when I talk to people about, uh, you know, sometimes you're having that conversation where someone's, you know, saying, I've lived a lot more than you've lived or something like that. And that was uh, always my little tagline 
well, I'll tag it at the end of the story. But uh, <laughs> we're, we go to Coors, Switzerland. Um, Switzerland's beautiful. It's pristine. It's clean. It's gorgeous. Um, that's the hometown of H.R. Geiger. We're kind of into that. We drive into the town, and it's just beautiful. The base of these mountains, rivers, everything's so... But there's, like, these clubs... Um, with these gorgeous, sexy women painted on the side of the walls, and they're called, like, Octopussy and stuff. I was like, wow, what is, is that a strip club? That looks amazing. We get to this place we're playing. It's called the Safari Beat Club, and the owner is around 40. He's pretty handsome, and he's obviously the catch in town. There are a lot of ladies sniffing about the whole night. You know, he's single. He owns a club. The, uh, my band was called Hemikuda. His door guy, it was his birthday that night. He happened to own a Hemikuda, which is really impressive for someone in Europe, I would say. It's a Plymouth Barracuda with a Hemi engine. I don't know if there's any motorheads out there. So, uh, so at the end of the night, they keep going, oh, I asked them about the clubs at the beginning of the night. What are these clubs? Are these strip clubs? And they're like, oh, uh, this club is like, uh, you know, the ladies are there like, yeah, yeah, it's a strip club. They're like, mm, you know, no, you like, you buy them. I'm like, oh, whorehouse. <laughs> yes, yes, that is it. And uh, I'm like, okay, do they dance there? Because <laughs> I like watching naked ladies dance around. I was kind of looking for that experience. Oh, you guys are staying. You happen to be staying in the hotel connected to our very favorite whorehouse, the Moonlight. Like, well, isn't that great news? <laughs> All night long, he says, tonight, Safari Beat Club, Hemikura Naked Dancers at the Moonlight, right? So it's, it's coming. <laughs> We get, to the, we get to the club. This also happens to be my future husband's um, and my uh, one-year anniversary of dating, which we ended up getting married on our anniversary. It's still our anniversary today. So we had dated for one year at this point. And we, here we are at a whorehouse in Switzerland. And <laughs> the uh, proprietor is trying to tell us, Wasn't it, wouldn't it be so nice to celebrate your anniversary with a wonderful bottle of champagne and a lady to do, you know, some weird things? It's like... We haven't gotten that boring yet. It's only been a year, you know, and we're broke. And uh, but they keep saying on the they're girls that dance, the working girls dance, and and then you can I guess, but they do it like once every 20 minutes. One girl gets up, dances around. You can decide if you want to buy champagne for her and go up to a room. And then they kept saying, Safari Beat Club, Hemikuda Naked Dancers. I'm like, I know the people I'm with. I'm the only naked dancer in this group. <laughs> so that is where I came up with the tagline. Well, I've danced naked in a Swiss whorehouse. So <laughs> the fuck have you done? <laughs> Thanks. So the, um, the, the, the tour story continues as we... Uh, we continue to kind of be plagued by seats, and he really is doing his best to make it a miserable time for us. And, uh, and I hate to say in retrospect, he really kind of won. It was a valuable lesson for me in the sense that as I got older, I realized I was more attuned to those times in my life where I had the ability to sometimes we want to be nice or we just don't want to be impolite or we're, you know, we, we let people put us in situations where they're not, they're controlling us and not letting us have fun. And that was a big lesson for me with seats. Uh, 
We ended up the tour, one of our second or third to last shows was at Colm, where Anushka, the woman who owned the record label, and her amazing boyfriend at the time, whose name I can't remember, um, came to the show, asked how it was doing, how, how's the tour? Like, oh my God, this guy is the worst. He's like, he, you know, he gives us a silent treatment. He's so mean. There was one morning when he was after Munich, he was so mad at us for staying out all night. He pulled over the van and sat by the side of the road and ate a bag lunch and just left <laughs> us in the van on the side of a road in Germany. Like he's punishing us by eating a sandwich by the guardrail. And like he gets back in the car and we're like, all right, well, we're ready to eat now, so you can pull over here. He was, like, so mad that we made him stop to feed us. Like, we're all human beings. We all need to eat. Well, she was infuriated. She went right up to him and, like, German stuff in his face. <laughs> Don't know what it was, but it was good because he was, like, had his tail between his legs, and she sent him packing they put all of our equipment in their little Volkswagen Jetta, and <laughs> we were like all crammed on top of each other. And I think we canceled the last show or something um, related, which is unfortunate, but we went and stayed with Anushka in her fantastic like 70s melamine apartment with purple shag rugs and stuff for the next few days, smoking copious amounts of weed on the couch. It was, everything got better. And, uh, but the great little end of this story, I've kind of already told you the moral, don't let anyone fuck with your good times. But as a, as a little post note to the story, which I love and take so much pleasure in, a lot of my rock and roll friends from Europe have told me this story that years later, Seats was um, asked to uh, be a roadie for the dwarves. So I'm like, Ugh. Great, <laughs> wet dream for this guy. But he forgot to declare on the way into Italy that he had a warrant for his arrest and it cost the dwarves 5,000 euros at the border and guess who hates seats just as much as I do? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Raconteur Denver. Visit raconteurdenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, and more episodes. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture.